Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Talking With Your Therapist. Um, Before I get into this week's episode, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who has listened and is still listening and is supporting this podcast, sharing, telling your friends, whatever you guys do. Um, It doesn't go unnoticed. And weirdly enough, the episode I did last um, on Valentine's Day with my sister got the most plays, which was really kind of cool, given that it was like the first time I had somebody on. And um, I don't know, it was just really cool to see that so many of you guys listened and provided feedback and that you guys loved it so much. Um, So I decided this week to have another guest on. This one happens to be my friend, not my sister. But um, I wanted to bring on somebody else because I actually really felt like, and my hairdresser actually said this, so shout out to Morgan. Um, the back and forth conversation, I know I love to listen to that on a podcast. And so it seemed like you guys really loved that too. Also, sorry if you can hear, (laughs) my cat is deciding that right now is the time to have the zoomies and play with her toys, which happens to be, um, a cardboard box that she chews up and rolls all in. So I'm sorry if you hear her, but, um, she's 14 pounds, so she'll lose stamina here in a second. Um, anywho, like I had last time, I decided to have another guest on this week. Um, and I'm actually really excited for this conversation because it's one that I know I've wanted to have. And I know that my friend has wanted to have ever since I started this podcast. So, um, before I introduce, or I guess before I give it over to him, I'll introduce him. Um, we're coworkers. (laughs) I met him at work. Uh, he works with me in the emergency room and his name's John and, um, yeah, welcome John. Hi, thanks for having (laughs) me on the podcast, Molly. You're welcome. So serious. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, so. This is where ADHD (laughs) kind of plays a really weird role because it's, I'm trying to concentrate. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm like, I have to consciously think about it. Okay. Because my mind is kind of racing right now, uh-huh. but I've dealt with this for so long that I've got these coping strategies that kind of say, okay, um, you've kind of got a template for what's about to happen. Though mm-hmm. you've never done this before, first time on a podcast. Um, whoop, whoop. So, you know, first try and get your thoughts in order. And that's very difficult for me okay. because my mind is always going to, it's, it's like my classic scenario is. I'll walk, you know, I'll like, I'll walk inside, I'll put my keys down and then I'll like go to the sink and like wash my hands and they'll go, oh, I have to go back to the car and grab something. And if I don't put the keys down in the, re- in the regimented uh-huh. spot, I will forget where, I, I don't even remember where I put the keys. Right. So it, it becomes like a scavenger hunt. Right. And that's in, in essence, in many respects, that is how my brain works. It's, it's a disjoint, it's a disjointed map. It's a scavenger hunt. Right. And if you're not in my brain, the, the best case scenario for me is, again, like I said, those coping strategies. It's like, okay, I have to go to the last place I was mm-hmm. when, I, when I realized I lost track. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and usually it brings me back to what I was doing before. Right. In this case, getting my keys to go back out to the car. Yeah. So if you haven't already 
<clears throat> guest. Today we're going to talk about ADHD. <laughs> yes, today we're going to talk about ADHD. Um, so yeah, when I say this hey, is a conversation... So, Molly, what does what? ADHD stand for? Attention Deficit... Hyperactivity, hyperactivity disorder. disorder. Yeah. yeah, and there's two different kinds, I think. There's like an inattentive and a more hyperactive one. I didn't know that. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So, anywho, uh, John and I um, met last summer at work. Um, we have a lot of things in common. We enjoy drinking good beer. We have the same sense of humor, which, if you know me, is a very dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Um, we have a lot of the same interests. Um, I think our careers really have overlapped a lot. Um, John has a background in law enforcement, um, now working in the emergency room on the medical side of things. Um, so yeah, I've really enjoyed our friendship. Um, and given that we have created such a good friendship, I feel like I've gotten to firsthand see John's struggles with ADHD and also the little bit of depression. Um, sorry, I'm just taking it on for you. Um, but I, it's definitely something that he has shared with me um, that I think, I hope a lot of people can benefit from listening to his experiences and um, how he's managed it. So before John kind of takes it away, um, cause I think he has a lot of good things to say, even just like that little intro into your brain. Um, I wanted to talk about it from a woman's perspective. Um, and that's what I think is really cool about having John here is cause while we have a lot of things in common, there is a couple things we don't have in common. Um, our gender and our age, John is very old compared to me. <laughs> um, so I think I, I want to start off with with um, talking about it from a woman's perspective. So I am in no way, shape, or form diagnosing myself or John with ADHD. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm one of the few therapists, I think, that is against self-diagnosing. So um, don't do it, folks. Anywho, talking about ADHD from a girl's perspective. So when I think back to even the earliest memories, um, I think, and, and again, this, John, you can pipe in and say if this is the same for guys, but peer interactions are such a powerful determination of a young girl's self-worth, self-confidence, and sort of like identity, um, especially at school, when we start to like go through school. We have these like unique demands of the girl's social, socialization mm-hmm. hierarchy, I yeah, guess. Um, and so many symptoms of ADHD, like being really impulse driven, um, hypersocial, hyperactive, not being able to pay attention for long periods of time, not being able to read social cues. Those are things that are not helpful when we try and maintain any sort of peer acceptance. So when I think back um, as a girl and as even like a woman, the idea of being rejected by my peers has always been like really dreaded. So from a very young age, girls and women become like chameleon-like, right? Like we're able to sort of hide everything and push everything down to have this, I don't know, idea that we have it all together. We kind of fly under the radar. And I see it a lot, like not just in these ADHD type symptoms, but also like I look at people who are mothers, right? And it's like on the outside, it looks like they have it all together. But when you get to know someone who, you know, has three kids and or even just has one kid, and you get like a little bit of insight into their life. It's like this one woman is just holding together all of these things 
um, in a way to just fly under the radar and keep our struggles a secret. So um, ADHD in girls I know is really overlooked. It's also really overlooked in in little boys as well um, and in men. And I don't really know why there's still not a ton of, I don't know, why the ADHD is still being overlooked. But um, I just wanted to put that out there as we talked about this and we were thinking about this conversation. That was the one thing that came to mind is um, there are so many symptoms of ADHD that are totally maladaptive when it comes to social interactions and peers and acceptance. And so I just rambled. That's fine. But now I'm going to let you ramble. Okay. Um, I will, so I'll start with the, kind of the, the, the very first place. These are things that I recognize about myself that at the time I didn't know were symptoms of ADHD because when I was dealing with these things, mm-hmm. that acronym um, didn't exist. Didn't even exist. It was never something that was brought up. Mm-hmm. There was the word hyperactive. Mm-hmm. Hyperactive was thrown around a bit, and that was, uh, caught, you know, I was having too much sugar. Mm-hmm. And so take them off the sugar, lo and behold, nothing changes. <laughs> um, so the first, the first things I remember, and I can reflect on this uniquely, was constantly getting in trouble in school. And this goes back, as far back as I can recall, which probably in elementary school where I was talking. I, would mm-hmm. const- I was talking constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, I couldn't sit still for more than a few moments without getting, you know, kind of excited. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, it, it was anything. It was throwing something at the kid next to me or, or, you know, passing notes or saying something. Mm -hmm. And the response of the teacher was back of the room, Mm -hmm. get out of my face. You know, I don't want you in the front of the class or out of the way. And that progressed through junior high. And these are things that at that age for me personally, I wasn't, I wasn't conscious of them from a social aspect because I was still maturing. Mm -hmm. It it just, I'm, I'm, just like everybody else, as far as I can tell. We mm-hmm. weren't interested in girls yet, per se. Um, but I also am not, and I don't know if this is an effect from the ADHD, but subtlety and I do not get along at all. <laughs> I don't pick up cues. I don't pick up social cues. I can say something to you unless you specifically tell me that, oh, something that I said was was inappropriate or was just the, the timing of your comment was inappropriate. I'm. It's going to it's going to gloss right over me. I'm terrible mm-hmm. at reading a room unless mm-hmm. I'm consciously ready to go into a room to read the room. But if I go into a room and I say something, it's like somebody has to be like, dude, um, John, that wasn't the best comment. It's like, it's oh. like a pro- inappropriate comments or you just like don't know what to say. Or you so feel like you need it's to say usually, something. It, I think it's usually a little bit of it's inappropriate. Like mm-hmm. I have this kind of dry sense of humor mm-hmm. or this crass sense of humor and I'm a, I'm a bit sarcastic and I can go into a room and make something some comment before I realize mm-hmm. it's like oh this wasn't this wasn't the place for that okay um and that also happens one-to-one I'll make mm-hmm. a comment and it, I don't realize the comment I made was just at the time just it wasn't the best comment right so as I get older I start to realize I'm not fitting in with the rest of the group mm-hmm. um and the reason I'm not doing that is because I'm still as we're, we're talking in high school now, so boys are starting to mature a little bit. They're getting more mm-hmm. interested in girls. I'm getting more interested in girls, but I'm having a hard time talking to girls because I have this uh, reputation of being just this hyperactive kid. Right. And there's never any, like I was saying before, there's never any addressing 
hey, maybe John needs to go, you know, we, we need to set something up with John. I don't know, some sort of diagnostic, you know, mm-hmm. go talk to a counselor, go talk mm-hmm. to somebody. It's like, no, just put him in the back of the room and put his name on the board mm-hmm. and, or, or you need to get out of the room and go see, you know, go to the office and talk yeah. to the principal. So there was never, it was always punitive. It was never Is addressed. It like a, like a, you know, boys will be boys kind of thing. Like boys are just more hyperactive and crazy and wild. I think it was that. I think that was, that was masked and that was the excuse in mm-hmm. elementary school and junior high. But mm-hmm. as we got older and we kind of matured a little bit and we started to mellow out, I definitely noticed that I was different than the mm-hmm. rest of the guys for the most part. I mean, there were there were guys that were doing stupid things. Right. But they were doing stupid things probably to get the attention of the girls. And I was just still the kid that just could not sit still. Yeah. And I would make these spontaneous, not necessarily any inappropriate comments where they were, you know, like using foul language, but I just I just couldn't sit still and my my mouth couldn't just couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, blurt out these spontaneous comments in class. Yeah. So that's where I saw the, that's where I saw the difference between where we had been and where I still am. Mm-hmm. So that was me this whole time where everybody else is starting to mature and and kind of under, understand social norms mm-hmm. and where they fit in a in a room like a classroom. Right. And on a football team or in a social setting at a rally or mm-hmm. or not after after hours party. Mm-hmm. No party. Or I'm, <laughs> or I don't feel like I fit it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the odd man out, and and I, and it comes back to me just not knowing how to talk to people mm-hmm. in a way that I feel is comfortable because I've always been that kid that mm. just couldn't. You know, part of that is just being shy, perhaps, but I think part of that is also just because I never. I never, I was never in with a group of people mm-hmm. for a long period of time because that ADHD always kind of ostracized me. Well, that's crazy too, because it does really relate then to what I was saying about girls, right? That like peer rejection is something that is so dreaded. And as a, I even think, you know, being 28 years old, almost 29, <laughs> um, I still even think that like, Everything that women are doing or girls are doing is in some sense like a social aspect, right? Like we're constantly, and even guys, like we're constantly looking for, do we fit into this group of people? Um, How am I interacting? What do other people think of me? And so it's really sad that you felt like you didn't fit in because of the symptoms that you had that were kind of ostracizing you. And in many regards, I still feel that way. Interesting. Um, As I've gotten older... Um, as Molly says, I am old. So when I was in high school, we, I don't think we had the tools. There were, I don't even think the tools were in place to recognize people that had ADD or ADHD and a lot of these other things mm-hmm. that were easily just brushed aside and put them in a, put them in a menial class. You know, you're yeah. you, you just get them out of the way, put them in a menial class. And this is where he's going to sink or swim. Mm-hmm. As I've gotten older, I been an environment, you know, in healthcare for the most part, that I, I, I recognize a lot of these um, behaviors starting to be, one, recognized, and two, diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel, that makes me feel better for the person that I was growing mm-hmm. up because it helps me realize that what I was doing wasn't necessarily my fault, where I felt that it, it, it made, it, the way that I was 
treated mm-hmm. a lot of the times made it feel like it was my fault, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what I had done wrong. Right. And so I carried that with me. Yeah. As I've gotten older and I've seen a lot of more, again, I've seen more people diagnosed with mm-hmm. things. It makes me feel like, oh, it, it's, it's just wonderful to know that I have an, I have an answer to the things that I deal with. Mm-hmm. And again, like Molly said, I'm, you know, we're not diagnosing here. I am officially undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the process of getting a formal diagnosis to help me because I'm, I've, I've got plenty of life to do. I've got plenty of Even though you're old. professional interaction and social interaction. Even though I've learned a lot of cupping skills, I still believe that I have a long, I've, I've got a lot of improvement to do. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's only going to benefit me and the people around me. So I'm still very motivated. I, I don't care how old you are. I think it benefits anybody mm-hmm. to go see either a, a therapist or in my case, it's a psychiatrist mm-hmm. that I'm pursuing because I'm looking to get on medications. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like? Um, I mean, you've, you've, you've done a lot in your life. You're successful. Um, you have an awesome family. Um, you've worked in a lot of really cool career fields, but how do you feel potentially if you would have had the right diagnosis or the right treatment or the right, um, even just even just understanding of these symptoms and behaviors, how do you feel like it would have benefited you as an adult now? <clears throat> I have delved into a lot of careers after high school and even after college. And I have always come away with varying reasons why I've left one mm-hmm. career choice and gone to another. I've walked into it saying, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. But there's always, there are always things that make me go, oh, this, this sounded good at the get-go. But there's right. always, and I, and I think this differentiates from other people and their, their desire to, at upward mobility, mm-hmm. staying within a reasonable, staying within a profession and, and finding upward mobility in, in, in that particular profession. For me, I would always get, I don't know, bored. Okay. It wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, I did some teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, the the police thing and there, there were always there was always there was always things in it that I would get I guess you can say for lack of a better word bored which is interesting because I actually just googled because I feel like I had remembered something about that like ADHD and changing jobs frequently and it actually is a study that was done um, in 2013 there's a couple of studies but that one was in 2013. Um, that actually shows ADHD folks are more likely to change jobs, often impulsively, are more likely to be fired, miss work, have troubled relationships with coworkers, um, and they between the ages of twenty three and thirty two are eleven times more likely to be unemployed or not in school, which is really interesting because it doesn't. I mean, people with ADHD are, are not unsuccessful, right? Like you're no, not. I could definitely say not. I bucked that trend. Yeah. Um, but I did move jobs frequently and again this goes back it's not only the social circles it's also team dynamics I right. go into a job and I find I often find myself ostracized uh-huh. not and not because I want to be you know yeah. I sit back and I watch other people interact I'm, I'm the one kind of the quiet one in the room going okay and this is I don't sit there feel like I've done a bad thing it's just like uh-huh. okay this is just where I find myself this is part of my um you know where my coping mechanisms yeah. take me. It's like I'm I'm not going to feel bad about that interact. How that I, I'm sitting in the corner by myself or talking to one or two people versus the whole group of people. So do you feel like if you would have had a better understanding 
do you feel like your like your career would have been the area most impacted? Yes. I mean, I know this is kind of a hard question to no, answer. I, but... I uh, reflecting upon that as much as I have, and I have reflected upon that a lot. I think if this had been recognized and diagnosed uh-huh. at a much earlier age, well, at an at an age where I was still, you know, my brain was still forming, right? You know, in, the, in the high school, I I I would like to believe that I would have been much more focused on. Um, a goal, uh-huh. up, upward mobility, um, maybe staying within a career for a long for a long term goal versus uh-huh. what I've I've done. I I've, I've enjoyed the things I've done. Yeah, um, I Wait, even I would argue that you're kind of in like the same. I mean, you're you've been a first responder. Kind of allied yeah. my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I went as far as to when I was looking at becoming an EMT um, in the mid two thousands. I actually went to a psychiatrist mm-hmm. because. I felt if I'm going to, if I'm going to, I had the wherewithal to say, if I'm going to be helping other people and I'm going to be doing this in a professional capacity, the things that I feel now are not things that I should be sharing mm-hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. So I went to a psychiatrist and this is where that stigma kicks in. And this was a, a stigma that I had felt all the way back from mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And again, maybe it was, it wasn't diagnosed, um, ADHD and things along those lines weren't recognized, but it was still a stigma because I was told to be quiet. I was put in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. It was like, we're not going to solve this problem. We're just going to avoid talking what are, about or treating whatever this problem is. You're just mm-hmm. you're just being hyper, and that's just how it is. So I talked to a psychiatrist because I said I want to be, I, I want <clears throat> some help to be a better person than I am now. I don't I don't need to be changed, but mm-hmm. I want to be able to function a little bit better in society. Mm-hmm. And the interaction we had was disheartening. Mm-hmm. Um, I was basically told, if you're going to be in EMS, things along those lines, do you want the stigma of knowing that you're going to that you have you're going to be on a medication? Gosh, that's so awful. It was <clears throat> it was something that was very frustrating for me because yeah. I went to find help. I didn't know what that help was because I still didn't know right. what it was I was dealing with. Right. But just to be told. That's a stigma you're going to carry if you if you choose to get on a medication, and that is not something that you know you yeah. can't have EMS or first responders taking medications because you're supposedly helping other people. Which is so crazy because I've always been, um, especially being a therapist, um, and I see people with depression and anxiety mostly in a private practice setting, and a lot of them you know, will encourage them to take medication for anxiety or depression. I mean, self-disclosure, I take an antidepressant, um, and I would say it has made drastic changes in my life. But it's funny how mental illness um, and having to take medication for that, for mental illness, is so frowned upon. There's such a big stigma. But yet, um, if you have, like, diabetes or cancer or um, you're sick and you have a headache, right, you take Tylenol, those things are like accepted, right? Like it's, it's okay to take life-saving medication to potentially save your life from cancer or high blood pressure. But gosh, to be on a, you know, a stimulant basically to help you with your ADHD, that's a stigma that you're going to have to live with in yes. the EMS. Even, even through today, it is still carried as much, I think, as we have put these diagnoses into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. They're still looked at as... Oh, you're you're something's wrong with your brain. Uh huh. Um, and and in order to make you appear normal or considered normal, mm-hmm. we're gonna have to put you on medication. 
Yeah. And those medications have side effects and they're not cheap. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, for me, I I was basically told, you know, well, you're, you're, you know, you're better off just, you're you're old enough, you've, you've acclimated and you've, you've learned some of these skills, how to deal Mm -hmm. with this on your own. You seem like you're doing okay. So why don't you just forego Mm -hmm. these medications and just continue with your way? Cause you're going to, you're going to look, you're, you know, you don't have to write it down anywhere. Nobody's going to see that, that you're on medications. You're not going (laughs) to look, be judged that you're on medications Yeah. and you can just go on your, in your professional endeavors without that That's awful. meanwhile here i am feeling defeated uh-huh. and back to square one where i thought i was asking i finally got myself up to ask for help uh-huh. and been told by somebody that i put in a very educated class that's uh, that says you know that you shouldn't be doing this right dang so here, <clears throat> so here i am a few years later readdressing this because uh-huh. i find that not only have i i haven't I haven't improved. I'm still I'm still using the coping techniques that I've learned mm-hmm. through all this, but I'm but I still recognize that I have a I have a a lot more that I could benefit from uh-huh. these medications. That I, there are things that I just cannot overcome uh-huh. with my coping strategies that yeah. will make me a better person personally, with peers, mm-hmm. with family, and that will definitely benefit me in my profession. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry that you had that experience because, um, yeah, I think I would rather take medication and feel better and feel, I hate the word normal, right? Because <clears throat> having ADHD or any sort of mental health disorder is, is nothing abnormal, but... Uh, well, and I also say that the stigma, of course, lies in taking medications and we talk about, oh, the side effects. There's mm-hmm. going to be side effects. And you're right. There's probably going to be side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of those one of those things that I'm willing to try in order to feel better. Mm-hmm. Molly just said, a tad bit better. Molly said, said something about depression. Well, for the longest time, just like my ADHD, I didn't recognize what depression was because mm-hmm. depression wasn't talked about. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I, had a, I have a father who... When I was a kid, he, there would be weeks that he would lay in bed mm-hmm. and I didn't understand what that meant. I just, I, I didn't think he was lazy, but mm-hmm. he, he would tell me, John, I just can't. Mm-hmm. And as a little kid, it's like, okay, I, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. The mail's piling up. You don't open any bills. You don't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it wasn't a drinking problem. He didn't drink. So there were no outward signs to me as a kid to say, Oh, I know what this is because I, right. I didn't understand what it is. So as I got older and having him and having that, those, those memories, as I got older, I noticed, you know what? Again, this is what I'm going to counsel or where I'm going to refer to a psychiatrist. I'm guaranteed what I have is mm-hmm. a lesser form of depression. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that's what it is because there are days when I just don't want to get... I, I get out of bed. I don't I have the can't. same, to the same extent that my father has. But there mm-hmm. are days like, you know what? I just don't want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I know I have to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I go to work every day. It doesn't, it doesn't affect my professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are days like, you know what? I've got laundry to do and I should vacuum and I should wash the car and I should mow the lawn. But I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Usually, and again, this is one of the coping strategies. I can get out of bed. 
and I can go do, I, I, I tell myself, go do something. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do it, mm-hmm. but you have to try. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, you're not going to get everything done you wanted to get done, but you're going to feel better that you mm-hmm. got something done. And that is true. Mm-hmm. And that's where my depression and my ADHD kick in because I've got this list of things that I want to get done. I know right. I'm not going to get them all done, but then my ADHD kicks in and yeah. I end up, instead of cutting the grass, I end up going in the office and like shredding papers. Yeah. And then I go out to the recycling bin to get the, the, the full shredder bin thrown out. Uh-huh. And then I don't go back inside because I'm, now I'm weeding on yeah. the lawn. Right. So, but anyway, that's kind of a side. Well, track. and, and ADHD and depression, um, and anxiety all go hand in hand. Um, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, I don't want to say the word proven, but you're more likely to experience any sort of like psychological distress when experiencing or being diagnosed or having a diagnosis of ADHD. So it's interesting to kind of see how yours in a, in a way affect one another, play off of one another, Mm -hmm. um, make it difficult to function, right? When you have both of those things going off at once, but... Yes, um, I, I look at both of those things hand in hand. And again, yeah. they're, they're, they, they don't always come at the same time. The ADHD mm-hmm. is just kind of there. Yeah. Um, I work better when, when the house is clean, when things are in order. It, it, it makes me calmer. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, there are times at work when it helps that ADHD. There are things that I have to focus on at work and that helps... Mm-hmm. the ADHD by mm-hmm. needing to focus on things. Yeah. But it also makes um, setting up a task list in my brain and, mm-hmm. and prioritizing that task list somewhat of a struggle. Right. And, you know, yeah. I, I run into that a lot at work. Yeah. And at home. Yeah. Like I said, my aforementioned forays into shredding papers and then finding myself outside pulling weeds. Yeah. You know, while I'm still doing I, I can't stick with one task. Right. And it definitely shows. And, and that has been how I've been my whole that life. That is the ADHD. Oh, boy. Chatting away. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was a good... Um, thanks for sharing all that. You're very welcome. On, a, on a podcast. Glad I could finally share um, that. Of people who you don't know who are going to hear your voice, hear <laughs> your story. Uh, so thanks for sharing. That's, um, I think it, it... I know it could benefit somebody who's listening. Um, there are people out there because... There are people, when I was a kid, that were like that, mm-hmm. like I was. Because I'm not the only one, and I know no. that. And you may not have the same interactions that I have in the world, but I know there are people that are going to hear this that are going to say, that sounds very familiar, because mm-hmm. I do some of the same things that you do. Mm-hmm. And so, like I was telling Molly, I am in the course of, getting a neuropsychological assessment mm-hmm. through a psychiatrist so that I can say, I, I just want answers. Right. I, I want to know that there are things that I can do to help improve me professionally, right. personally, right. socially. Right. Because there are, there, I, am a, I am a happy person, but I know there are things that I can do to make me happier and the people around me that I affect, mm-hmm. that I interact with happy too. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to continue that. I'm excited for you. I think it'll be really awesome to see um, you be able to live a more satisfying, a more functional, a more fulfilling life. Um, So I guess I, I mean, unless you have any other last sort of minute topics or things that come to your mind, I guess I wanted to wrap this up um, 
by just encouraging people if just encouraging people to to reach out, get the help that you need, um, but also realize and, and you said it with that your poor experience with that psychiatrist. Um, recognize that psychiatry, counseling, even a doctor, right? Like you're allowed second, third, fourth, fifth, twentieth opinions, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you didn't connect with your psychiatrist or they're saying things that you're just like, meh, I'm not really sure I feel validated mm-hmm. or heard, um, go find another one. And Absolutely. I know it's, it's easy for me to say that, right? That sounds very privileged to say, oh, we'll just go find a new psychiatrist. But uh, you are allowed to find someone who validates your feelings and your symptoms and, and gets you on the right track, whatever that looks like, right? Um, if you're not someone that's into medications, fine. There's a lot of ways to, to manage ADHD, anxiety, depression, lots of mental illness without depression. You could go see a therapist. You could go. You could go talk to your therapist. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, And then just adding a little bit on there. You're right. Um, We 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 if we're when we're a smart consumer, we're shopping around for various things. Of course. We're getting three bids on our roof. Uh huh. We have multiple options when it comes to our primary health provider. Yeah. Um, So why not? Shot, you know, don't take the, and this is where, uh, this is where I fell short because I saw my psychiatrist and I thought this is, oh, of course, this, it's this guy knows everything. And he, yeah. he said, you don't want to do this. I'm doing you a favor. And I went, shrugged my shoulders and walked out of there and said, okay, right. didn't occur to me that I could go to another person and say, well, let's look at this from a different perspective. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You, uh, you know, I find myself like before I even buy like a pair of shoes or something, I Google reviews and I. Oh, I look and see, okay, can I get it cheaper someplace else? And, oh, does this place have better options? And, oh, maybe I'll just go to the store. So it's funny how in other things of our lives, we spend time getting second or third opinions. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to sometimes our mental health and our health, we we take the first thing. And it's, and it's not necessarily look, looking for the diagnosis you want. Right. Right. But getting the help that you need. But looking for people that recognize what you're dealing with and mm-hmm. saying, I think what what I'm suggesting to you can benefit you. Yeah, for sure. In lieu of just shutting down. Right, and saying that there's a stigma. Yes, because that's really what I walked out with, was this is a stigma. Instead of, hey, let's let's try some of these, you know, let's let's not try medication first off. Let's try some of these other mechanisms first that maybe can help you out. And then if that doesn't work, maybe let's go with medication. Yeah. Word. Word indeed. (laughs) Well, I think that's it. I think we... uh, covered a lot of stuff i do too and uh i feel better i I hope other people that are listening to this feel better about what we talked about today uh and don't worry everybody i will be sending john a bill for this therapy session (laughs) which i may or may not pay because you know i'm old (laughs) anywho uh i hope you guys learned got something out of this um i i sure did obviously learned a little bit more about john things that i didn't know but um, yeah, I think from like a personal and professional standpoint, just hearing people's stories, experiences, um, helps me, I think selfishly be a better clinician, but also helps me, um, I don't know, just get better understanding and even, uh, listening to you, not that I think that I have ADHD or that I struggle with ADHD, but, um, I know people who do and it, it kind of normalizes it. So thanks for telling, telling everyone your story, sharing your experiences. Um, 
And that's it. Glad to be here with you tonight, Molly. Thanks for being here, John. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Should we clink? <laughs> We're drinking. Clink. Oh, that was lame. Well, was... I, have a, I have a glass and you have yeah, a can. So I have a can. All right. Well, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, I really do appreciate your support. Um, it really does mean a lot. And I love watching the views go up. I love hearing people talk to me about listening to my podcast. Um, it just makes me happy. I hope that uh, somebody gets something from some one of these episodes. And make sure to listen to Talking With Your Therapist on your platform of choice. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, it would be like a... I'm going to go. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, uh, keep your head up, everyone. We're going to get through this.